You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Launching kids into the world is no joke, whether you're sending your kid to kindergarten or off to college. Some days we wonder if we're doing anything right. One thing is for sure, we all want to do it well. Hi, I'm Jamie, mom of four. And I'm Lisa, mom of three. We're here to help and encourage you in your parenting journey. Never perfect, always honest, and in the trenches with you. We're experienced, but not experts. You ready? Let's Let's launch. Friends, you're listening to a bonus episode of Launch with Jamie Ivey and Lisa Whittle. I am Jamie, and I'm going to be hosting this conversation today. And back in season one, Lisa and I had a conversation about sexuality and talking with our kids about sex. It's a great conversation. I highly recommend you go listen to it. But we invited our expert, Preston Sprinkle, to come on, and he did a beautiful job of talking um, directly to parents about having these hard conversations. And he mentioned in the show, he said, I wish they would have talked about this one thing. And so I thought, you know what? How about we have a little bonus episode and we bring Preston Sprinkle on to talk about that one thing. Guys, here's the bonus episode with Preston Sprinkle. Preston Sprinkle, thanks for coming back on the Launch Podcast. Jamie, I am so honored to be here. It's good to see you for the first time, well, actually. we just For realized. the first time, we just met. <laughs> uh, I want to tell everyone, this is a, a bonus episode that we're throwing in the middle of season one and season two. And we launched launched the podcast in fall of 2022. And my friend, my co-host, Lisa Whittle, and I wanted to talk about topics that parents are dealing with when they're raising kids. And we knew we wanted to talk about sexuality. And so we, we covered it with as best as we could as two moms. And uh, we don't claim mm-hmm. to be experts like we say forever. And we invited you to come on as our expert, and you are an expert. And I was listening to the podcast as I was driving one day, and I'm, I'm a really big fan of yours already. I, I love the work that you do. I follow the work that you do. It's been such an encouragement to me as a leader, as a mom, all the things. So I'm listening, and you're just so wise and all the things. And then you said, <laughs> I wish Jamie and Lisa would have talked about this. And my ears tuned in. And I was like, what? What do you wish? And you said, um, I'm going to play the clip right here. Here's what you said. Okay. So, um, you know, the only thing I would have loved to have seen Jamie and Lisa talk about is um, uh, LGBTQ experiences. Um, and this is something that I've uh, encountered quite a bit recently that a lot of kids, um, when they uh, come out as gay or trans or whatever, that they almost always say, you know, when my parents were talking to us about sex, the ones that did, um, they just kind of assumed that I wouldn't have this experience. Um, but according to the latest statistic in, in uh, January 2022, the Gallup poll, 20.8%, one, on, one out of every five of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ. So I heard the clip and I'm driving and I'm thinking, well, Preston, I'm going to have to make you come back and talk to me about it then because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to leave anything unturned. And I want to ask you a couple of questions, first of all, and I want to set the stage a little bit to say that I'm a mom to four teenagers and... um I know you're parenting three or four kids. I've got four teenagers too. Yeah. yeah. Look at us. We're parenting four teenagers. So we're, we're in the thick of it. And you can speak to this probably more than I am. We, Lisa and I talked about this a little bit in the show where we talked about a lot of parents are afraid to say things because they might put mm-hmm. something in their kid's mind. 
And Preston, when I think about talking with our kids about LGBTQ, um, people identifying that way, issues, um, I think a lot of parents would think that. So what do you say when a parent's mm. like, well, if I tell them about it, what if they don't know about it? And then I, they, they, I, they know something now they didn't know. What do you say to that? Right. That's, that's a great question. And, and it is a pretty common fear. Um, I, I think there is um, maybe a little bit of truth to that fear. There can be some truth to that, depending on what we're talking about. It's, it is largely a pre-internet fear though. Like, okay, I mean, our, right. Our, our kids don't have to go down to the library and check out a book to learn about stuff. Like they, you know, know more by nine years old than we did when, before we were 19 in, in some way. So right. um, unless they're just extremely sheltered, no internet connection, they're homeschooled. Um, even then though, I mean, kids just have a way of, of hearing about stuff. So in almost every case, when it comes to questions around sexuality, especially LGBTQ related questions, our kids typically, typically not exclusively, but typically, um, no more than we think, no more than we think they do. Like if we do mm -hmm. introduce a topic, it's not like we're just dropping some unheard of bomb on them. Usually yeah. it's in most cases, in, unless we do it really awkwardly and weirdly, they're kind of. I think thankful. Um, mm. Again, if we do it at a, at a age appropriate way, you know, some somewhat somewhat young, not too young, not five years old necessarily, but um, you know, at a at a time when when they can kind of really understand the concepts and um, understand the difference between you know what what is God's design for marriage and how are we to love people that may not agree with that or may fall short of that and so on. So um, yeah, I, I would I would say again, in most cases, we should just not be scared that we're going to be introducing things to them that they're just like not aware th that's of. going to encourage them to engage in something they shouldn't be engaging. In. Right. That's a good point. Cause I think about that with other things about sex. And I think that that can be its own little ball game also because you and I are probably around the same age and, and we just grew up like that was not even a conversation. It, it was definitely yeah. not a conversation. Don't bring it up because it is just like the worst possible thing that can, anyone could ever say uh, was that they were attracted to the same sex. And so we right. grew up in a different era. And so I really love um, the way you brought up talking about it as in, I would say that most of our listeners would fall under uh, the belief that God's design for a marriage, uh, his perfect yeah. view would be a man and a woman engaging in a covenant relationship together, sexually committed, all of those things. And so um, I'm encouraged that you said that that's a great starting point even like, cause yeah. if we're saying to our kids, we already know that this, that you are aware of different um, sexuality than just man and woman setting it up and coming from it. And like, here's what God says. Is that how you would recommend parents to do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't want to bring it up as some kind of totally separate category. Like I'm a big fan of talking about sexuality, whether it's same sex, opposite sex, uh, no sexual desires, whatever, like the whole gamut of sexuality, I think should be, um, should be framed together. Like we need to talk about what is God's vision for uh, healthy sexuality, for sexual flourishing, for, mm -hmm. for singleness, for relationships, mm -hmm. non-erotic relationships and so on. So like, you know, at the, at the root of it all is, you know, we are, God created us for a desire for intimacy and sexual intimacy is one facet of that. So I think establishing just this deep down desire, this longing to be connected with other people, to want to love and be loved and, um, and then, you know, conversations around marriage and singleness and so on. I, yeah. Um, cause if we just launch into, 
you know, that awkward conversation on same-sex sexuality. I say awkward because I think a lot of Christian parents are probably going to do it in an awkward way just by mm-hmm. default. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it can give the impression that this is some kind of separate other thing mm. rather than part of the um, the full gamut of Christ- of human experiences. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, and you could, again, if you, if you have that kind of one-off conversation about same-sex sexuality, that could also feel kind of othering to the mm-hmm. one out of every if, five if they kids are, are going to hear exactly. this that yeah that, that are going to experience some kind of same-sex sexual desire i think that was something that i really took from you introducing like saying we should have talked about this because if one out of five teenagers are identifying as same-sex mm-hmm. th- that's a really high number and for parents to hear that one thing that has been super helpful for my husband and i is there is an amazing group at our church who is who the group is full of um, faithful followers of Jesus who are same sex attracted, living out their life um, faithfully following mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, yeah. And we do a lot of life with them. And that's been very helpful for me. The way that it has helped me is the way I talk about marriage with my kids. And so, you know, I grew up mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, when you get married and when you yeah. have kids and when this happens, and the language at our house has changed to if you get married, if you have yeah. kids, if these things. And so that's been helpful for me. But I I will say as a mom that it has been a trickier conversation about Mm -hmm. thinking about this one out of five number. And so can you also give us a little bit of hope for parents as like, okay, we're going to step into this. We're going to step into these conversations because here's what I hear you saying that I can't get away from is our kids are having these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me as a mom, I think I want to be a part of that. And you almost... Mm -hmm. I always think a parent is like, I want to play offense and not defense. And so how am I playing offense yeah. here as getting ahead of the game, ahead of the ball in this situation? So can you give us a little bit of like just encouragement for parents as they're stepping into those conversations? They are going to feel awkward, but can you just give us a little yeah. bit like, guys, you can do this. You've got this. You can have yeah, these yeah. conversations. <laughs> let, 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 let me back up and add some clarification because I, I know some people might be freaking out like, wait, one out of every five kids are gay or something. Um, to be clear it's according to the January, 2021 Gallup poll, Gen Z, um, uh, of Gen Z kids. Uh, so 18 or, um, 13 to, I think it was 22 is what it, what it said. Um, 20.8% identified as a keyword identified as LGBTQ. We should really say LGBT or Q because these are different identity markers that mean different things. Even, you know, LGB is very different from T. Being trans doesn't mean you're gay. We shouldn't use that as a synonym. Some trans people are straight, some are gay, some are asexual, some are bisexual. So um, the, the one-fifth is on younger kids that identify with one of those labels. And I stress that because that doesn't necessarily mean they are have this deep in a you know, overwhelming sexual attraction to the same sex. Kids can identify as LGBTQ for a whole host of reasons. You know, if you're in a really progressive environment, I've, I have several friends that have told me this almost word for word. Like, you know, I, to, to be a kind of a straight girl, white girl, you know, that's wealthy is like, oh, you're like horrible. You know, like that, mm-hmm. that's seen as like a, a, a terrible identity to have. Yeah. So, um, and you have girls sometimes, especially, and I say girls, but it is statistically higher, you know, girls feeling some pressure sometimes to identify as bisexual or non-binary mm-hmm. or something. Other environments, it's the opposite. Identifying that way might get you, you know, bullied or whatever. So, right. um, 
so yeah, I, I don't, you know, um, I don't want to freak people out thinking that like, you know, this is, you know, why do these numbers keep growing? Cause they do keep growing, mm-hmm. but we are talking about identities and a really complex set of social factors. So I, I guess even knowing that, um, my number one piece of advice to parents and, and I might, you know, I'm a parent, but I don't have, I'm not parenting any kid who is, is gay and I'm relying on other parents who are for advice. Um, you know, the number one piece of advice is just don't ha- don't approach this topic from a posture of like freaking out, you know, mm-hmm. um, there is a good chance, especially if you have younger teenage daughters and maybe you're in a slightly more progressive environment, or they have an internet connection, they're going to be challenged with maybe interpreting some emotional attractions mm-hmm. to other women, or maybe non-erotic intimate attractions, or maybe just admiration. They're in the locker room. They see a girl with better mm-hmm. boobs than her, and then they get a yeah. spark of emotion. And everything mm-hmm. is telling them to interpret that emotion, that positive feeling they got sexually, which right. is why we have an overwhelming major or a high percentage of younger girls, you know, wrestling with, am I bisexual? Because mm-hmm. I, the thought of having sex, with the boy creeps me out. I'm like, yeah, you're 14. Like, you right. know, yeah. um, so I, I think there's a lot of confusion, especially on female sexuality, which is giving rise to a high, higher percentage of, of young girls, um, exploring these identities, you know? Um, so just don't freak out. The number one thing you can do as a parent is to keep the lines of communication, um, open and and encouraged and you want to be a um not a safe place in the sense mm-hmm. of like you're never challenging your kids on anything but you want right. to be a place where you, you can they can be vulnerable and they can talk to you and you're not going to be weird about it and there's nothing they can tell you that you're going to like freak out or clam up or start mm-hmm. doing you know getting all all weird and stuff so mm-hmm. i think establishing th- that kind of relationship with your kid is is the number one number one thing um and people say, well, no, shouldn't we impart biblical values and make them believe the right thing? I'm like, well, it, <laughs> I, I don't see that as a false dichotomy. Like if you don't establish that kind of relationship and then you also say, here's what the Bible says, you know, mm-hmm. it's they'll hear it, but they there's a good chance they won't receive it right. and, and want to believe yeah. it. But if the lines of communication are open, that's going to open up all kinds of avenues for you to um, not just impart biblical values, but to model those biblical values. Um, but your kids are most likely, and during the teenage years, are going to be exploring all kinds of things. Ho- hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. asking hard questions about their faith, asking hard questions about sexuality. That that's a that's a good thing. Like that that's not a negative thing because if they aren't verbalizing those questions, they're probably just internalizing them and going somewhere else with their questions. You know, right? Um, so right. anyway, yeah. Um, I'll stop there because there's so much more I could say. I mean, this is a really complex area, but. Today, millions around the world are suffering as a result of violence, oppression, and extreme poverty. Sometimes this endless cycle of suffering can feel overwhelming. If you're like me, you want to play a part in bringing an end to suffering. And at the same time, I think we all want our children to have a deeper understanding of the needs in the world and guide them towards becoming generous and compassionate adults. But sometimes it's hard to know exactly where to start and who to trust. That's why I'm super excited to tell you about The Path from our friends at World Relief. 
The Path is a community of bold, compassionate people of faith who are committed to fighting against suffering and injustice in pursuit of lasting change with their monthly gifts to world relief. Whether it's a crisis in Ukraine, an earthquake in Haiti, or a wave of refugees from Afghanistan, you can trust that The Path community is already there, responding with the love of Jesus alongside you and your family and your children. Empowered by the monthly support from the PATH community, World Relief is making a difference around the world, and you can be a part of it. You guys, I personally love the work that World Relief is doing with the PATH community. I trust them, and I believe in them, and I want to give you the opportunity to join as well. You can join the PATH community of monthly givers by visiting worldrelief.org slash launch. That's worldrelief.org slash launch, L-A-U-N-C-H. Launch your kids into life by leading them to love like Jesus. Join the path at worldrelief.org slash launch today. It's so complex. And I told you before we started, you're like, how much time do we have? And I'm like, well, listen, we only have 30 minutes. And I know we could do an entire weekly, we could do a week long seminar on this, which we're going to tell people where they can get information. But I think that's really good for you to remind us, Preston, as parents, like, you know, I remember someone one time saying like, when when you find your kid doing something and in our house, you know, I've got four kids and you you cannot be a human and not run across pornography in 2022, Mm -hmm. whatever world we're in. Um, Someone, the best advice they gave me is like, have a, you might be freaking out on the inside, but have a normal looking face on the outside. And I think that is really good for parents as they enter into this conversation um, to really kind of have that communication and to have this not freak out face. Now, I want to ask you also a super loaded question that we could do a whole seminar on. (laughs) Let's say a parent's like, okay, I listened to Preston and Jamie on lunch and I'm now going to have conversations with my kids and I'm going to be open and I'm going to listen to all the things. And then their teen daughter, which I'm so glad you you talked about that because we do see that I have a freshman daughter. And then their teen daughter is like, mom, I'm so glad. I think I am attracted to yeah. women. And she's not going to freak out. She's not going to do all the things. What do you encourage parents to do in those mm-hmm. next couple of steps as well? Is if they are trying, their house is like, we, you know, we want to teach that God's design for marriage. And now I have a child who's saying this, besides not freaking yeah. out, what do you say to parents next in that next phase of parenting? Yeah. In general, you want to have a, oh yeah, the, just work hard at not freaking out even your posture wise. Um, I, you know, the first thing I would say to my daughter, she said that to me, I would say with a big smile, a, a warm, inviting posture, 90% of communication is your body, your language, your eyes, your, your, your face. And, you know, um, I would, I would, try to put on, even even if you're like wrestling inside, try to put on the most inviting posture and say, honey, I am so, so thankful you told me about this. Um, I feel so honored that you would share something, you know, personal about you with with me. And I want you to know, look, I, I um, always have loved you. I will always love you. So I want you to never, ever, ever doubt that I will, you can tell me anything um, and I will always be committed to you as my daughter. I will always mm. love you. And then just take a posture, just I think laying that foundation and then taking a, just a really curious listening posture, not a listening posture of how can I refute or when can I slip in Leviticus 18 or whatever, which is relevant. <laughs> in case, but, you know, um, not an argument and not a, yeah, but what about, but you said you like that guy, but no, yeah. you, you, you did a wanna, you know, no, you mm-hmm. homeschooled. And, you know, um, if I had a nickel for every homeschool Christian kid that, Mm-hmm. Struggles <laughs> is gay or yes, experience yeah. same sex uh-huh. attraction on some level. So, um, 
don't make it about you. What did you do wrong? What did you know? What could you have done differently? Or maybe if your father took you hunting, you know, you, my son wouldn't have been gay or, you know, um, yeah. So I think just, just alleviating all that freak out, cultivate a genuine curious posture of listening. Um, and even if you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But when do I get them the truth? Like just, I wouldn't, I would just, they already, if you've been a halfway decent Christian parent, they already know mm-hmm. what you believe. They're probably right. scared to, they've probably been thinking about this for months. Mm-hmm. I think the average, it, I learned somewhere, it was like two to three years that a kid between wow. when a kid is experiencing some kind of same, same sex desire to when they actually tell their parents. And that's largely driven by this overwhelming sense of being scared to death mm. of how their parents would react. Even if you are not that kind of parent, you know, like, no, I'm a cool yeah. parent. You know, I love mm-hmm. my kid. We have a good relationship. It, it, the kids are often very, very scared to death. So um, like, p- just try to put yourself in their shoes. And like, how would you want your parent to respond if you were going to tell them about something that you thought they were going to mm-hmm. really freak out yeah. about. Um, the biblical conversations will come later, you know, um, and that that's a whole nother conversa- conversation, you know, um, but you get laying that thick relational trust is the best way to help the biblical conversations go, go fruitfully. You know, it's like, even when you just said that the statistics say that it's usually two to three years of a child wrestling with something before they bring it to their parent. And you could be like the best parent in the world. And that still happened. And that almost made me get teary eyed just imagining the anguish that a child would go through of every time they're at a family dinner, every time they're with you, like Mm -hmm. they have this, like, I want to tell mom and dad, but I can't. And I think as a parent that's listening, who might experience this conversation this year or upcoming, and just really trying to put themselves in their shoes and realize it took a lot of work for their kid to come and and say that to them. And so to really just honor that conversation as well. That's such a great word, Preston. And I'm really grateful Mm -hmm. for that. You guys in your in your life and your work. Well, first of all, I didn't even tell everybody what you do. Tell tell everyone (laughs) what you do about around conversations around sexuality, because I know you do a lot of things, but specifically to this. Yeah. So since I've been writing and speaking on um, specifically LGBTQ related questions for about eight years now, written a few books on it. And then starting in 2017, I started a full-time ministry called the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And our primary mission is to help resource primarily Christian leaders um, to engage this conversation with uh, our twin pillars of theological faithfulness and courageous love. How can we hold true to what you know the historic Christian teaching is on marriage and sexuality? And how can we radically love people the way Jesus did um, People told me for many years, it can, both can't be true. <laughs> both can't be done at the same time, Preston, good luck. And I've been making it my life mission to um, disagree with that. And uh, um, so, yeah, that's what we do. We, we have a website, centerforfaith.com, that has loads of resources. Um, and yeah, I mean, just in terms of this conversation, I would say in the last few years, we've had such a, a, a um, cry of help from parents with mm. Christian parents with LGBTQ kids. So we mm. are, keep putting out more and more resources specifically for, for parents too. Yeah, great resources. I was telling you that I, I purchased some. I'm going to watch for my own personal growth um, with these conversations. I think it's important. You know, uh, I, I love that you said you set out to do this and people said you can't do both. How have you seen, I want to speak this on a positive note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, how have you seen the church rise up for these conversations? Because I think a lot of times we can look at the church and I'm a fan of the church. I love the local church. I think it's where God does his work, all the things. And so, but we can see sometimes in culture that the church kind of lags behind on some things. Like we're not having conversations as fast as the culture is. And so we could, we could point fingers all day long, but I want to ask you differently. How do you see the church rising up in this conversation? 
Well, I, I'm Jamie. I'm super encouraged. I, mean, I would say w- when we started in 2017, it was really clear that once again we're way behind on this conversation. You know, yeah. um, but in the last few years, I mean, the requests for help, like we, you know, we do conferences and I speak a lot mm-hmm. and stuff, and I, I, I and, and you know, my approach isn't everybody's cup of tea. So some. People that would be really conservative, or, you know, oh, just pray the gay away, or why are we even yeah. talking about this? Or you start mentioning grace or love, and they start thinking you're going liberal. And then people who are maybe more more progressives don't like the fact that you know we hold strongly to a um, a historic Christian view of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not everybody's cup of tea, but our I mean, we get people are just I mean we're getting inundated with requests saying we as a church are wanting to engage this conversation. Can you help us do that? So mm-hmm. I'm really encouraged that people are wanting to hold true to what the Bible says and also be a place of welcome for LGBTQ mm-hmm. people. And um, maybe not everyone will end up wanting to be part of a church that believes in a historic Christian view, but a surprisingly higher number than you think do. And I've got you know piles of stories mm-hmm. on that. So um, yeah, I'm encouraged. I mean, I get yeah, I mean, all kinds. I mean, probably 25 different denominations. So denominations, I was like, oh, I can't believe you're actually wanting to engage right. us. You know, yeah. amen, hats off. You right. know, so right. um, I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I think there's, a, there's a, a, a kind of quiet majority, at least growing majority of evangelical leaders that are, are wanting to embody this grace and truth tension that Jesus exemplified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that this conversation is um, encouraging for parents, and I don't want parent to, to listen and think like, oh, this can't be my story. And I think that that is where a lot of parents would find themselves of like, well, I don't think we really need to talk about this because I don't see this like really affecting my family at all. And from what yeah. I'm hearing from your from you and just in other ways that I follow you and learn from you is that it's just not that cut and dry. You know, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. And also, I think like our kids are going out into the world, obviously, and and we want to help them. Like, how do they love their mm-hmm. friends well? And, and how do they have relationships with people who identify differently than them? And I think that's important so that we're not having this separate world. We're like, okay, we're the good Mm -hmm. Christians over here and you guys are the bad people over there. And that's not how we really want our kids to live. And so I think these conversations matter. And I think it's important. And I'm grateful for your encouragement um, towards parents uh, with these questions. And is there anything else you want to say? Because I'm giving you the platform because you said, (laughs) I wish you guys would have talked about this. And I listened because I want to talk about it. And so is there anything else you want to say around (laughs) conversations about parents? Because the the podcast, Preston, is like, we're talking about all parents. You're you're first introducing sex to your kids. You're talking about as a middle school. You're talking about as a high school. Now you've got college kids. Anything else you think that we should add in to encourage parents? Well, you know, I... uh don't be afraid to make mistakes too. I mean, oh, that's good. Uh-huh. every night, I don't know how it is with you, Jamie, but every night my wife and I, our heads hit the pillow <laughs> and we're just like, we failed. We've so failed today as parents, you know? Yeah. We look yeah. back, we're like, have we just so, you know, royally just screwed up our kids? You know, kids, kids every are resilient. Every day we say this, Preston, Aaron and I, this this <laughs> happens in our house all the time. We'll look at each other and be like, well, that's going to come up in counseling. Like that, that <laughs> yeah. they're going to deal with that around 45. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh man. Parent, parenting in 2023 now is it's yeah. not for the faint hearted. It never has yeah. been. I mean, no matter the age, but um, yeah. yeah, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, And silence is not an option. It's just not like we so better to try to engage in a conversation, fumble, and maybe say the wrong things or whatever. Um, Better to do that than just to, to not say anything at all. Cause you know, being quiet or just thinking like, oh, if I bring this up, I'm going to put thoughts in their heads. 
it's not going to make their questions go away. It's just going to make your kid go away to ask their questions to somebody else, or they'll just Google it or something or ask, you know, um, I don't know, Taylor Swift, what she thinks about (laughs) same sex relations or whatever. Like, like they're going to, the questions aren't going to go away. So better to open up healthy avenues for parents to disciple our kids in these complex questions about sexuality and and gender. Um, I I would just encourage parents to like, to, to get educated, don't rely on um, the echo chamber of your favorite political news outlet to shape your heart and how you should think about these issues. Like that's, that's wrongheaded. Like, like get a hold of some good biblically based, you know, um, resources that can help educate you in, in this conversation. It's, I know there's a lot of stuff we need to stay up on. There's, we're just, you know, we, we live in a information saturated world, but questions about faith, sexuality, and gender have become some of the most pressing ethical questions facing the church today. So it's, it's, it's our responsibility as parents to, um, have good, well thought out ideas around it that are rooted in scripture. It's really good. I remember, I think it was Rebecca McLaughlin who was on my show. We are talking about mm. how not having, sometimes we can think like, like I said already, like, oh, this doesn't apply for me. I know what I believe and I'm passionate onto my kids. But, you know, even you're saying like faith and sexuality are some of the biggest hot topics. And so as parents, if we're not doing our job to even like to educate mm-hmm. our heart and our mind and our soul about why we believe what we believe. I think that is so right. important as well. Cause like we, you yeah. and I grew up and like, this is just what it is. There's no questions. Here's how it is. This is what we believe. And then you get to a crossword where you have hard conversations with one of your kids and you're like, well, I don't even know actually what I do believe, you know? And so right. even as parents just taking the time to like ask God, like, God, will you like move in my own heart and help me understand and love and have compassion and, um, I'll say this. I've said this on the show, on my own show, The Happy Hour before, uh, that I think it was like 2015, maybe, that I had a conversation with a friend. It's kind of embarrassing, but I, I've said it before, so I'll say it again. <laughs> I had a conversation with a friend, and I said, you know what? I don't think I know anyone that's gay. And she's like, sure you do. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think I do. And looking what I know now, I'm like, I'm sure I did. I just didn't know it. But I actually, I remember I sat on my front porch, Preston, and I said, God, I, I need I need to know people who are gay. Because for me, it was like, how do I, how, how do I just have like, I can't just have this black and white thought of what I think the mm-hmm. truth of what scripture is, which I still can have that. But how do I have compassion and love for someone that I don't know? And so right. I just want to encourage parents as well to not be afraid of relationships that are different mm-hmm. than yours, uh, because it has enhanced my life so much mm-hmm. to have friends who are gay. Um, some of them who believe in a historical view of marriage, like mm-hmm. I do, and some who don't. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just want to encourage that as well Is I actually prayed, God, will you bring me some gay friends? And he mm-hmm. did, <laughs> and I'm better for <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I went through that journey earlier on too. Like I, when I first started research, researching the topic, I was just a Bible college professor studying this issue, you know, homosexuality uh-huh. and kind of looked up for my books and like, I don't know any gay people. So I started getting yeah. to know gay people and they would say, Hey, you got to meet my friend. And their friend would say, you got to meet this person, whatever. And I just started hearing stories and stories and man, my life will never be the same. Like my stereotypes were shattered. Come to find out later that 83% of LGBT people were raised in the church. This is why almost every gay person I met, I kept hearing stories of being raised in a church. I'm like, wait, y'all, y'all were raised in the church. (laughs) And statistics, like anecdotally, I was like, what's going on here? Wow. And statistically it's it's yeah it's this idea that you have the church over here that's mm-hmm. all straight and gay people over there that's all non-religious is just not it's not yeah. true at all so not true yeah that's a good word um, 
Preston Sprinkle, thank you so much for coming back on launch uh, for this bonus episode to have this conversation. And I guess Lisa and I will do this forever. If a guest comes on and is like, well, I wish they would have talked about this. We'll have to have them back on and have that conversation. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm super grateful for the work that you do. You're a leader that parents can look to providing resources and education and conversations that really help us parent better. And so I'm grateful for what you guys do. And we'll be sure in our show notes to link all the courses and, and conferences that you guys have as well. So thank you, yeah. Preston. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for what you do. Really, really appreciate your voice. You guys, I'm so grateful for Preston coming back on and having this conversation with me. He mentioned that he started an organization called the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. Go check that out. They have great resources. They have online courses. I myself have bought online courses from them before and gone through. Uh, You can go to centerforfaith.com. Then to find out more from Preston, go to prestonsprinkle.com. I want to encourage you to listen to his podcast. You're already listening to podcasts. He has a great podcast called Theology in the Raw, where he engages in honest conversations with interesting people. Launch is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive producer is Jamie Ivey. Produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Art by Noel Rhodes. Original music by Matt Graham. Your co-hosts are myself, Jamie Ivey, and Lisa Whittle. Thank you for listening. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.